Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 15. Here's Pastor Ryan. So King David in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 11, let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we count it all joy, Lord, in our lives as we face various trials, Lord. You are the head of our lives, and Lord, you're working all these things out for our good. And Lord, we're grateful that we can pray to you, the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord, you love us as your adopted children, and we pray, Lord, that we would just be open to your word tonight, that you would speak to us in a very powerful way. Open up our hearts, open up our ears. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. So, as you know, in our story, King David is planning, in the middle of planning on bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And that's a beautiful thing for those of you who don't know. If there's anybody here who doesn't know, the Ark of the Covenant was that holy box that the Israelites carried around as they left uh, there in the wilderness and into Israel. And so his heart is to bring it to Jerusalem as the Lord is establishing him. So his heart is to have God there with them. God's everywhere, but he wanted that precious holy box to be returned. We know that Um, This is his second attempt to bring it back. The first attempt didn't work out so well. It was disastrous. We know that rather than seeking the Lord for the proper way of bringing the ark, seeking his word, David just decided to, with the rest of his his leaders, basically, because he had a huge council and asked if it's a good thing to bring the ark. And they all said yes. But they didn't seek the Lord's word as to how exactly God wanted them to carry it. And so rather than seeking the word of the Lord, they ended up just placing it on a new cart with two ox to pull it. And we know that as they were beginning to take the ark to to Jerusalem, that the Lord struck down Uzzah dead for touching, for laying his hands on it. And so they learned quickly that, or they were reminded quickly that God is a God of order, that you can't just presume to handle the things of God presumptuously, just however one feels like it. So David learned or was reminded that he needed to seek the Lord for his guidance in his word when it came to dealing with or handling the holy things, which is a great which is great advice for all of us Christians here this evening. Amen. And that's one of the beautiful things about putting our trust in Jesus Christ that when we do we have a God who loves us and guides us through his word in all the issues of life. And so it's a good reminder. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's what the word of God is. And it still is uh, illuminating our path, is it not? 
It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. It's probably probably the most one of the most treasured things in our lives, the word of God and how he speaks to us as we uh, seek him and, and read the word. But he didn't seek the Lord concerning that holy object, the Ark of the Covenant. And in a sense, when you think about it, are not our very lives holy objects? When we place our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins, believing that he died and rose on the third day, when we put our faith in him, we are so richly cleansed, so perfectly cleansed by his blood, that his righteousness you know, it engulfs us, envelops us, wraps us up, and we become holy in a sense. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16, Paul would write to the Corinthians, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so as believers, you know, we're the temple of the living God. God lives in us. And when we become Christians, Everything that we are really comes under the umbrella of the responsibility of God and God's guidance. Everything that we are as individuals, our lives become his life. And so we are to deal with our own lives in a, in a different way than we ever have. Because now we're testing to see if the way we're living is holy because he is holy, as the Bible calls us to. But not only our own lives personally, but everything that we are responsible for comes under the kingship of Jesus Christ as well becomes a holy thing even something so small as our hobbies and I love playing basketball and when I got saved that was one of the things that God gave me like like bat pickup game basketball I, I learned that I had to do that in a different way than I did prior to knowing Jesus you know I had to learn to play basketball in the spirit and then in our lives and everything that we are in our families, if you're married, if you're a husband, there's guidelines, there's, there's ways to deal with that holy covenant that we made before God, right? It's a holy covenant. And then wives as well, how to deal with the holy covenant of marriage and how to, you know, we're to seek the Lord for all of these things as parents. It's that children are a gift from God, so we have to seek the Lord on how to deal with that holy relationship as well because it is holy because we belong to Jesus and so everything around us gets sanctified in one form or another and so like David sought, uh, is learning here to seek the Lord or has learned so we too need to seek the Lord for guidance amen and um, so David had gathered everybody to Israel because it's going to be a huge thing they're bringing their ark into Jerusalem and everyone gathered around and David said to them, in verse 2, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. So he let them all know right away that he's doing things the right way. And he said to them, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, which is true. That's how God prescribed. There were the guys specifically called to do that, and he's letting everybody know. We're doing this God's way. We're doing it the biblical way, right? And we're praying for, for us to do the same every week, every day of our lives as a church, to do things the way the Bible says to do them. And we're praying for churches that don't do it, that they might 
say, hey, we're going to do it the Lord's way. No one can carry the ark but the Levites. And so he gathered all of Israel together in order to bring the ark. And he also assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites, all just that family, that tribe, because they were called to do it. He got them all together. And in those first verses, 1 through 10, he's getting them all together in order to bring the ark. And in verse 11, we begin, it says, And David called for Zadok and Abithar the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Elel, and Aminadab. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. So what a beautiful picture here. He has the heads of the father's houses there, right? They're the heads of the Levites and of the children of Aaron. And I think that they know who they are, but nevertheless, King David, led by the Lord, declares to them, you are the heads of the fathers of the house of Levites. They know who they are. He knows who they are, but yet he declares it to them. This is who you are. I think that's cool. I think oftentimes God does that to us, right? Does he not remind us who we are in Christ? Does he not remind us that we are his children? That's one of the most beautiful reminders that I got today in my devotion, that we're children of God, that he looks upon us with such love and such care. And though I know it, though he knows it, it's good to hear it from him. You are my child. You are my son. I have adopted you. And so God... It says so many wonderful things to reaffirm and confirm who we are. And we need to know who we are in Christ if we're going to be blessed. The blessing for the the fathers and the Levites and the children of Aaron, the blessing for them is they're going to get the honor of bringing the very holy ark of God into the city. And he's saying to them, for the blessing, you have to know who you are. You have to know God called you and I to be, basically. It's a beautiful thing. It's a good word. You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. And he says to them, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves and and your brethren that you may bring up the ark. So he says, you are the fathers. Tells them who they are. Reminds them who they are. And he says to sanctify themselves. Sanctify means to purify themselves. Get right with God, in other words. Do what must be done in order for you to get right with God. And that's a cool, like, twofold step to be blessed, really. Remember who you are, sanctify yourself before God, and go get the ark. Sweet Hills, remember who you are, who God called you to be, who Jesus saved you to be. Remember who you are, sanctify yourself, and go get the blessings. It still works that way. Even tonight, very simple. I think of Timothy and how Paul told him that no one despise your youth, you know. Don't be timid. He was a timid kid. It is an interesting thing to get used to. Some of the callings of the Lord. It just is. It's neat when God says, remember who you are. Know who you are. Who are you tonight, folks? What has God called you to be? A husband, a wife, a daughter, a son a friend, a brother, a sister. What has God called you? An employee, 
maybe a boss, a manager, whatever God has called you to be, be that today and do it well. And do it in a holy manner as we seek the Lord to be sanctified. And the, way, the only way we can get sanctified is to come before God in prayer and to ask him to cleanse us of our sins, sins of the mind, sins of the heart, sins of our actions. Every moment of every day, just to ask God, Lord, cleanse me, sanctify me, give me your kind of attitude, help me to walk in the Spirit, produce in me the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control. Cleanse me, Lord. It's, it's beautiful to have the blessing to be able to come to our high priest who cares for us, who sympathizes with our weaknesses, and who forgives us and cleanses us. It's a beautiful thing. It's the most precious thing that we have. He's given us eternal life. He has taken away our sins, but daily he sanctifies us and washes us. But we have to choose to come before him in prayer and say, Lord, wash my heart as you wash the disciples' feet. Wash my heart. And he does. He sanctifies us. Do you think we, we'd go to our jobs with a better attitude if we did that? Absolutely. We would go to our jobs as mundane as some of us may think our jobs are, with such great faith and hope and love that we would recognize we won't be there too long and things are going to change because they're going to see Jesus in me. They're going to see a difference. And the Lord would say, wherever I called you, do that the best. Do it unto me. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. You know, love, husbands, love your wives. Sanctify yourself and love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Sanctify yourselves and respect your husband. Children, obey your parents. All of these like holy callings, which they are. They're a part of us now and definitely should be in the kingship of our Lord. And so, I like what he says to them. All of us have gifts. We should be using our gifts. Every single one of us who have placed our faith in Christ, he has given you and I gifts precious gifts to be used within his church, within the body of Christ, and we need to use them. Paul said in Romans 12, 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. See, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Beautiful verses to use our gifts. That exhortation to, you are the fathers of the houses, you are the mothers, you are the fathers, you are the husbands, you are the single person, you are a Christian, you are a representative of the Lord. Use those gifts. Use them. Sanctify yourselves and use them. In Titus 3.14, Paul would say, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. That you might bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not consult him about the proper order. And there was 
the problem with them. That was the big lesson of these two chapters. They did not consult the Lord for the proper order. We realize how serious God is about him being a God of order. I think when we get married, like within that first year, can I get an amen from any married couples in here? Most single people want to get married. And, and you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing, but marriage is, is really more sanctification. God using two imperfect people, two sinners under one roof, trying to walk in the Spirit with a witness to watch them 24 hours a day. It can be tough. It's the biggest blessing. Why did I bring that up? Ah, order. Order. Proper order. If, we had to, if I had to sum up proper order, it would be what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. He said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. No matter what God has called you and I to do, he will give you the directions and the ability to do it. That's something we're saying amen about. Think about that. It's the proper order is just seek the Lord first on everything. He will make your, your whole life completely different, completely blessed, because he who called you is faithful who will also do it. And I've seen it in my life many times. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals uh, by raising the voice with resounding joy. I love that. I love that. Here the Lord, through David, is appointing the worship team, in essence, for the bringing of the ark. And the Levites were to choose them from their brethren, and they were to sing with a voice, a resounding voice. And a resounding isn't a term that I use very often. Is it one that you use, resounding? It means to, with echo, with an echo, echoing voice. So such a powerful voice of joy. I haven't talked about worship in a long time. It's a good thing that we're, we're in it in Scripture and how important song is to the Lord and music is to God. It's just such a beautiful thing. I don't think I would be where I'm at today for sure had it not been for worship music in my life being the songs of my pilgrimage throughout my journey. Like seriously, there are so many totally, I've been walking with them for 22 years now, so there's plenty of worship songs that have just lifted me up. They still do. They always will. But worship, when I think of worship, I think of praises to God, obviously honoring God. It's about God. It's about putting all the tension and glory on God. And that's what worship, I believe, is. And, but I also feel that worship is beautifully prepares the heart of the worshipers to enter into God's presence. It helps us to focus on heaven and take our mind off the things of the earth. Amen? So it prepares our hearts. It, it uh, strengthens us. It lifts up the broken heart. There's just so much benefits to worship music. We can go on and on. And I'm preaching to the choir. 
But it, here, as he's appointing them, uh, one thing that stands out is that he wants them to sing with joy. And I think like worship teams in churches in general should be the most stoked people for God. They, mu- they should be the most joyful and, and really, really dedicated to that skill of playing and dedicated to their churches. I've, I've learned a lot. We've had great musicians uh, with us, a great, a great worship team, I believe. And we've all learned a lot uh, from that those relationships and stuff but you know i also think of worship as preparation for battle as a pastor there's been so many times that i've sat in the pews praising the lord and praying to god as we worshiped him and just to see him take me from very weakened state physically to a very strong state spiritually all within a couple choruses of a song crazy you know, and I've heard famous preachers say the same thing, praying in the pews during worship, saying, Lord, I have nothing. I have nothing to give. Fill me, please. Fill me, please. So if you guys can read preachers' minds while they're in the, in the pews praising the Lord. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with heart. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. And so there's that beautiful combination of we're praising him because his word is truth, because he is good, because he is righteous. All of it is in one great, beautiful package, uh, preparing for the word. I think the word and worship go hand in hand very beautifully. I think of Jesus's encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, who her father's up there in Samaria. They worshiped in wrong ways. And there was that discussion that we, we worship this way, but you Jews worship in Jerusalem that way. Well, anyways, Jesus responded to her in John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And I think that the truest form of worship is obedience to the Lord. There are many churches where worship is amazing and you look in the audience and everyone has their hands up. It seems very fruitful. Is I think the most important thing is their obe- fruit of obedience in the life of those who are raising their hands and praising the Lord. I think worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth is to coming before the Lord with a true heart, with a repentive heart, saying we belong to you, we give you our lives, your will be done. That kind of beautiful surrender to the Lord. And I never have gotten why, you know, some people come to church and they don't sing, they don't feel compelled to sing. And I think that the love of Christ compels us to sing. The fact that he has saved us from the pit of hell compels us to rejoice, to sing, to be totally blessed and to bless the Lord back. It's like he told the sinful woman or, or Simon there in Luke 7, he who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven much loves much. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so I have learned in whatever state I'm in to come into his house 
and to sing to him as hard as I can because he says for us to do it. So whether I feel good or bad, I'm going to sing to the Lord because I want to give him praise even when I don't feel good. I want to give him praise even when I'm going through a trial. I want to give him praise when things are really rough in my life. I mean, isn't that the sweetest form of praise? Isn't that worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth? Or just singing to him when things are peachy? something to consider. I'm so blessed that your guys' worship I am. I'm I'm blown away. You guys have brought me to tears many times, you know, because I just hear the re, the resounding sound of joy. And I can't his goodness is just too good. He messes with me with his goodness. So I'm all falling apart right there and at, at the first people are like, "Oh, is, is he a ride? Did he was there did his car break down again or what what's it?" No, it's it's just that I cannot believe we're in the state that we're in. That we have been redeemed from the pit of hell. And we're praising him in this sweet church, sweet people, worshiping him. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.